This week on Kettle of Fish, writer and game show host Todd Newton stops by to talk about whammies and showcase showdowns. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the one hour of political foreplay. The Infern, yes. are you ready to get fishy on this beautiful Sunday morning? Yeah, but there there was no political anything today. We were fortunate enough so we can just kind of slide on in here and do the fun stuff. Yes, the fun stuff is good. And uh, before we get to Todd, why don't you tell everybody real quick what we got coming up the next couple weeks? Oh my goodness. Okay, next week we have got Tony McFarr, who as most of you have probably heard me say about a million times, he's actually Chris Pratt's stunt double. So he's been working on Jurassic Park and the new Guardians of the Galaxy and all that cool stuff. I cannot wait to see what he does to make sure that he is ready for each of that. That's got to be so difficult. Anyway, um, then we have got the Larry, Daryl, and Daryl reunion show for those New Heart fans out there. So we're actually going to be able to get to hear Daryl and Daryl talk. And of course... Um, Larry is going to be back with us again, as we love him so. We are yes, have... William Sanderson is one of my all-time favorite oh, people he's, in he's the multiverse. He really is. Such a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, then we're going to have Buick Audra of Friendship Commanders on an upcoming musical osmosis, and that is going to be super awesome. And our buddy Paul Goebel is coming back for The Funny Thing About Politics. And John Lear is going to be on our 51st episode of Kettle of Fish to tell us what it's like to be turning 51. I'm sure he has an interesting take, as he always does. Neato and... Torpedo. Kids still say that, right? Neato mm, Torpedo. No. Uh, and... <laughs> I haven't heard anyone say that, ever. Really? In the history of ever. I've never heard Neato no. Torpedo. Well, you weren't in my cool headbanger clique yeah. back in high school. Um, and then, yeah. towards the end of April, we are going to have on the Reform Tours. One, I, I really want to see how their tour with Weird Al has has gone um but also because we are going to have them live and in person at april's 40th birthday bash because ain't no party like an april gomez party indeed and you got your um, live trivia show 75th yes, big episode we're going to have our big 75th and i have no idea what we're doing for that yet but it's going to be crazy because it's going to be at the gomez casa i am sure Oh, fern should i tell people i'm nick the saucy one cat source i keep forgetting to work that into the intro <laughs> Yeah, you got to start introducing yourself. Everybody's just going to think you're just a voice with with no body, like a, a disembodied voice on the radio that I'm only exists. I'm a fake exists. person doing fake news. I'm not even a real person anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get today's guest in here. Dee, who do we got coming up today that I am super stoked about? Uh, I was going to do a bunch of like sound effects and stuff, but there there is no sound effect. We have got host of two of my favoriteest shows ever. The Price is Right Roadshow, and also Whammy, we've got Mr. Todd Newton. Yay! Woo! Todd, how you doing? Boy, you guys have quite the menu coming up here. You got some big shows. Yeah, I'm on, yeah it's uh, going to be awesome. Yeah, this is a full, jam-packed menu. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm, I know you're on the road. I know you're busy, so we really appreciate you taking time out to chat with us today for a few. Well, it is, it is my pleasure. Yeah, we're right in the middle of the uh, spring tour for the Price is Right Live, and uh 
having a great time. <laughs> Oops, sorry. I, I bring my dogs with me on the road. I apologize. Uh, we do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to have the dogs. Uh, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, making our way across Oklahoma and Texas and down to Florida and all the way up the East Coast. But, uh, you know, making those game show dreams come true. That's what we do, right? It's all about the magic. And I'm going to get to the um, Price is Right Roadshow here in a second. First, I want to dig into your new book, The Host with the Most, Tales of a Tattooed Television Personality. I got to tell you, I liked it so much. I actually went and ordered Life in the Bonus Round off of Amazon. I just got it, so I haven't had a chance to dig into that well, book yet. I, I appreciate that. That's very cool of you. Thank you. Yeah, writing uh, has always been a, a nice creative outlet for me. And it's uh, something that I do when I when I travel primarily. And Life in the Bonus Round was my first book. Uh, that came out in 2012. And uh, Host with the Most came out last year. And uh, they both they both do well. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of a retrospective on a, a wonderful television career that spans 25 years now. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in Missouri, very inspired by guys like Johnny Carson and Bob Barker, who would entertain millions of people just by being themselves. When I figured out what a host really was and what the differences were between hosting and acting and being a comedian, I, I, uh, I just kind of jumped into it with both feet. So that's, uh, those are, those are filled with great stories and, and encounters with, uh, the guys that taught me how to do it right. Mr. Barker, of course, Chuck Barris from the Gong Show. And Gene Rayburn. Gene Rayburn. Amazing. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, uh, lots of special stories in there. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have learned from, you know, those that I consider to be the very best. Well, let me tell you, I, I read this book and let me tell you what I walked away with. I walked away from this book with a new appreciation for like the amount of laser focused attention to detail that's involved in what you do to make everything just look so comfortable and easy. Is that kind of what you wanted everyone to walk away from? Cause I know it's a little bit self help. It's a little bit, um, biographical, but the takeaway for me yeah. was like, wow, man, a lot of work goes into it looking this easy. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I think, uh, you know, the, the takeaway is, uh, what I hope it is anyway, is that nothing, nothing is going to be easy, no matter what you choose to do with your life. And I just happened to, uh, choose a career that required me to, uh, look natural in the most unnatural of, of circumstances. You know, I mean, uh, you know, to try and, and, and be yourself, which is a note that I've got, you know, hundreds of times over the years. Just be yourself, be conversational. Uh, when there are lights and cameras or uh, 3,000 people watching or you know you're going to be broadcast in high def, whatever the case may be, there's, there's no more, uh, there's no bigger of a challenge to be yourself than in that situation. But it's the same thing if you want to be a doctor or if you want to be, uh, if you want to open your own business, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, there's, there's going to be roadblocks and challenges everywhere. But the, the key to it is just remaining focused and, uh, and, and you got to take your victories in little small lumps. They don't come in big home runs. You know, it doesn't work like that. And, uh, it's all a process. That's right. Of course. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're 47 years old like I am and you look back and you're like, my God, I've been doing this forever and I, I love it. And, and it's been an incredible ride. And I've had, uh, you know, I've had, I've had great shows. I've had shows get canceled and, uh, I've had a little bit of everything, but you know, when you look at it in hindsight, you just really don't care. You see it as one, one big, beautiful package, and uh, that's what I wanted to share with people in those books. Well, so I'm reading through this book, and I'm reading stories about your interactions and what you learned from people like the great late John Ritter and the great oh, late yeah. Robin Williams. And then I'm right. also reading the other side of the coin where you're having these interactions with different contestants from all over the countries, and, and sometimes it goes into left field or somebody says something just totally unexpected. 
what do you think has been a bigger influence on you creatively? The stuff you've learned from the guys before you and working with the real legends or the stuff you've learned from just the everyday person and just talking with the average person out there on the road? Well, that's a great question. And uh, I, I think my answer to that is I, I'm very lucky in the sense that most game show hosts or any kind of non-scripted television host, you know, you get to do your 13 episodes and then you uh, sit back and those episodes air and you hope you get picked up for another season and so on and so forth. But when I work on a game show and we just wrapped Monopoly Millionaires Club late last year, uh, you know, I, I immediately go right out on the road doing the Price is Right stage show. So I have the great benefit of being able to do this, you know, about 250 nights a year. So I constantly have opportunities to hone my craft and see what works for me and what doesn't. But to answer your question, the most valuable piece of advice and, and the biggest learning tool came from Bob Barker when he told me that uh, the key to this is understanding that every contestant has a story. There's a reason why they're all there. And there's a big difference in introducing the audience to Helen from Montana who is going to play for a trip to Las Vegas or introducing her as Helen, who just retired from the post office, she hasn't had a vacation in 45 years, and all she's ever wanted to do is see Wayne Newton in Vegas. You know, now the entire audience has something invested because you took a little bit of time and you you, you got to know this contestant. So I think that's what wow. separates some hosts from another, and I learned that from Bob. You know, Bob was uh, the best at that, and I think he always will be. And uh, but I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't be able to hone that craft if I didn't get to get out there and, and perform at these beautiful theaters like in Lincoln, Nebraska, if I only got 13 tape days every year, that might be something that would slip through the cracks on. Well, let me kind of end with this because I want to get to the road show next. And I also want to talk just real briefly on your tattoos as well as somebody who sure. has many tattoos myself. Uh, you know, I'm reading this book. I've been hosting for four years different podcasts, several different podcasts. Me and Dee have built this network and Fern as well. Sorry, Fern. I know you're back there. That's with cool. Us. Um, from, from the ground up, and this book really spoke to me, and I just wanted to thank you on a personal level and let you know that there are people out there reading this that are working on different levels of doing different creative things that are getting something from this book. And I know that's probably something you were concerned about writing it, and I just want to let you know if nobody has told you as of late, this is resonating with people because the book resonated with me. So I just wanted to thank yeah. you for that. Well, that's awesome, man. I thank you very much. And, and uh, that means a lot because I started my career uh, in radio and, uh, you know, working overnight shifts at a top 40 station and, you know, spinning these horrible records and, uh, you know, just trying to claw my way up in, in, in what was a very brutal FM radio industry. And yeah, the I fact, bet. The, the fact that uh, that world has opened up and this podcast revelation, a revolution has has uh, kind of taken over the airwaves and it gives talented people like you guys the opportunity to to broadcast to not only a small market but to the world for God's sake. I mean, it doesn't, you know, if you would have told me in uh, in 1989 when I put my headphones on for the first time that soon I'd be able to do a podcast and it could be as long or as short as I wanted, I could talk about whatever I wanted and everybody in the world could have an opportunity to hear it if I could just introduce them to it. I would have thought you were nuts. You know, it was, uh, you know, you just absolutely you talked, in, you talked in between the new kids on the block records. I mean, that was pretty much all I had to go on. But uh, it's changing everything. You guys are capitalizing on that. and That's a, that's a huge thing. So uh, kudos to you guys as well. But I'm, I'm well, glad that uh, I'm glad you dug that out of the book and uh, appreciate it very much. Yeah. I mean, I always like to walk in. I always say I like to walk into like I like to walk out of a room smarter than I walked into a room. 
That's yeah, how I like to go yeah. into situations. And I definitely walked out of this experience smarter than I walked into it. I gained some knowledge, especially the part about um, protecting your brand. I especially right. like that tra- chapter because we're having some issues right now with something similar to that. And um, Fern, do you want to chime in here? I don't mean to be monopolizing. No, I think, um, you know, one very important thing that, that Todd, you said, and you know, this is kind of something, a mantra that I try to live by every day and try to um, relate to people who are going through difficult times is that you have to take the victories, the small victories, and you have to use that as, you know, basically I I use use it as fuel to keep myself moving forward and to say, you know, I can't expect to go from zero to hero in 24 hours, so I'm going to take these small wins and these small victories, control what I can, and let the rest go. You know, I can only do what I can do. And I think uh, people mistake being positive for being happy, and they are very different things. To be positive is to take those small victories and to relish in those and use that as, okay, I'm doing something right. This is a win. Let's take that win. Let's make it a bigger win. Let's move forward with it and take the other dumb stuff and, and throw it away. And right now, there's some there's some underlying things going on, and I'm not even going to I'm not even going to let that affect me. I'm going to take the win. I mean, yeah. for God's sakes, I'm on the phone with you today. This is awesome. <laughs> so that to me well, is a win. You know, so, of, well, that's that's very kind, and and you, you've got the right mindset. I mean, you know, I, I tell my children, I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, listen, life is not about how many people look at your Instagram posts or how many likes you have or how many followers you have. None of that matters. Nobody cares in the long run. What matters is the you know the number of friends you have, the number of opportunities you can create for yourself. And when you come home after doing what you do, you guys, we were talking off the air about uh, horses, and and, uh, and my daughter uh, is a horseback rider, and, and when she comes home on the weekend and she's her arms are sore because the horse was very athletic that day, or or you know her butt's sore, her legs are sore. I tell her, I'm like, that's that's your victory right there. It doesn't matter if you didn't get over the jump the first time that you were hoping to get over. Nobody cares about that, you know. And we could go into the old cliches about you know how. Ty Cobb also had the most losses and Wayne Gretzky had the most misses and all that nonsense. But, you know, I think once we, uh, once we hit 15, 16, 17 years old, we got to give ourselves the gift of letting certain things go and focusing on what's important because that's a very pivotal point in someone's life. And that's when, uh, that's when you start to, to see the difference between the people that are going to conquer the world and the other people that are going to sit back and read about it on their smartphone. Yeah. Powerful point. Let me um, shift gears here. As far as, so here's what happened. Me and um, D are watching Whammy, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I love Todd Newton. I want to see if I can get him on the show. We book <laughs> you. I do my research. I see you're covered in tattoos. I don't know how many tattoos you had in 2002, 2003 during Whammy. And I started thinking, are, are the tattoos themselves neutral? Do they mean nothing when it comes to opportunity for Todd Newton? Is it just like a haircut or what suit you choose to wear? Or are you getting more because you're standing out because of your tattoos? Are you getting less because there still is a little bit of a stigma to that kind of culture? Is this having any kind of impact on you at all? As far as well, your professional the, first, the first tattoo, the first tattoo I ever, I ever got was in uh, 2005, right after my daughter was born. Uh, I was working in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and I had a little bit of time off and I was just strolling the boardwalk and I thought, well, what the hell, you know, if you're going to get a tattoo, you might as well get it on the Atlantic City boardwalk. You know, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, right? So I went uh-huh. in and I got, yeah. uh, 
I got my kids' names, uh, both of my kids' names and my grandmother's name uh, tattooed on my arm. And then the second one was on the other arm to kind of even things out. We just kind of slowly uh, started progressing down. But uh, the tattoos, uh, some have symbolism, some don't. I think anybody who has a, uh, you know, a certain number of equal or a certain number of pieces will tell you that sometimes you just want to get a little piece because you think it looks cool, you know, or you have uh, some space on your chest that you kind of want to fill up a little bit. But uh, my tattoos are uh, only a couple of mine are from the same artist. The rest of mine have been from my travels with The Price is Right or, you know, speaking engagements or just traveling overseas, which is kind of my passion. Um, so I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of t-shirts and I don't, uh, I don't collect shoes or I don't send postcards, but I can look at just about any space on my chest or my back or on my arms and tell you where I was and, you know, sometimes even what music was playing. But So uh, those are like very... stamps on your passport then. That's they're right. like stamps That's... you wear. Things that uh, that you remember more about a vacation than sitting in a tattoo shop in uh, you know in Sweden at 11:30 at night. You can't under- you can't understand what the artist is saying. He can't understand what you're saying, and you're just listening to the music and kind of getting in that hypnotic buzz of the tattoo machine. So, uh, but a lot of my you know they just piece together, and uh, I never I think I got to a point where uh, when I reached my mid to upper 30s, uh, I just kind of started letting people in Hollywood know that this is, you know, this is what you get with me. I, th- I thought at that point that I had more than proven myself on the red carpet of the Academy Awards or the Grammys or whatnot, and I'd done my share of game shows, and uh, people knew what you were going to get if you if you brought me on board a project. Uh, tattoos weren't going to change that, and out of, you know, it just so happens that I've had, uh, by far, more people tell me to wear something to a meeting where you could see my pieces than Wow! Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Plus, they look really—they look really cool in pictures, you know. So you got to differentiate yourself. You know, I think the days of the traditional suit and tie game show host are pretty much out the window. And the same for uh, the same for authors, and even the same for corporate speakers. When I go to talk to corporations or universities, you know, I, I, you know, I just wear I wear a cool pair of jeans and a a t-shirt, and I think that builds rapport. It gives people something different that they're used to, and uh, we win from that. Right. I mean, one of the things that stood out why we wanted to get uh, Mayor John Fetterman on was because he was just a regular guy, jeans, T-shirts, tattoos, and that was an amazing show, mixing it up with him. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, well, that old Jack London saying, you know, you show me a man with some tattoos, I'll show you a guy with some stories to tell, and I think that's true. Right, yeah, definitely. All right, we only got a few minutes left. Let's jump into the Price is Right Roadshow. I pulled some videos. I'm watching them off of YouTube. Here's what stood out to me. The energy level. I could almost feel the energy level of the audience here at home. And I was actually a little surprised because I thought it was just going to – we went and saw Family Feud live once, like at a roadshow thing uh-huh. at a mall near here. And it was right. nowhere near the energy level. It seems like people go bananas over Price is Right. Well, they really do, and um, you know, we did. Uh, the Price is Right started. The, the Price is Right Live rather started as uh, just three or four nights in a tiny little showroom in Reno, Nevada, and from there we got extended to two two weeks. Two weeks became a month, and then they were kind enough to send us to a sister property in Jersey, and then we got a residency in Vegas. And when the when the six year uh, residency expired, uh, the producers of the TV show, who also do our show. Uh, thought, well, listen, instead of performing every day in this casino, why don't we perform one night every year and a half or so and take it all over the country? I mean, you know, it's 
you'd be hard pressed to find a part of this great nation of ours that doesn't love the Price is Right. Hasn't been watching. How many cities are you guys hit in a year? Let me just jump we in. Do, real quick. We probably do 150 to 200 shows every single year. We tour wow. in the spring, and uh, then we, we we take our summers off, and then we tour again in the fall, and then uh, we go all over North America, uh, U.S. and Canada, and uh, it just it really works. And I think the reason it works uh, is because of a the uh, the familiarity. You know, it brings back great memories. We see a lot of people who are there with. Uh, their parents and grandparents. We see multi-generational crowds. Um, so you've got the familiarity of this wholesome brand that's been so uh, interactive and so welcomed for so many years. And then on top of that, you've got the authenticity of the show. You know, all of us that work on The Price is Right Live are game show fans first and uh, employees second. You know, our set pieces are designed by the same people who do the TV show. Many of them have been used on the TV show. Uh, people win cash, people win trips, people win cars, people win kitchen appliances. So, uh, you know, when that curtain opens and the big wheel is there, or when the curtain opens and Plinko is there, uh, you know, you might as well be in a Leonard Skinner concert here in the first few notes of Freebird. It just works. It works like that. It does right? connect with people. I mean, Chris Hardwick tells a yeah. great story about how he had to go over to the studio where the actual price is right the television series is and he's like can i please spin the big wheel i have to spin the yeah. big wheel and you know this yeah. is chris hardwick talking about on his podcast what an honor it was and of course the show wasn't on and he just went there when nobody was there and right. spun the wheel and got such right, a kick right. and this is a guy who has seen a, a lot in his life and he's like i've got yeah. to spin yeah. this wheel yeah there's something about it you know it means different things to different people and uh you know it was uh, just for me my grandmother was the one that introduced me for the price is right so i could take myself back there in an instant, you know, and picture myself sitting on the couch with her, uh, watching Bob. And, um, you know, we see that, we see that in the t-shirts we see that in the excitement. And, um, it's, it's just a wonderful 90 minutes, sometimes two hours, completely unscripted. I feed so much off of the wonderful audiences that we get. So, um, and because no two audiences are the same, no two shows are going to be the same. So we, uh, we just can't, you know, every night, it's just a thrill. And uh, you, we get to play these ornate theaters, just these historic, historic rooms. And in Canada, they even put us in arenas. It's just, I mean, it's it's a kick, you know. And uh, I, for a guy that never learned to play the guitar or can't sing a lick, and close to being Bob Jovi during the 1986 Slippery Wind Wet Tour as I'll ever get. Wow. You know, one thing I learned, too, from listening to some stuff online is you guys actually pull directly from the audience, whereas Price is Right kind of like screens people first, and it's a little bit prearranged. Right. And I didn't know that. Yeah. I kind of thought everybody just got pulled into like a raffle fishbowl and their names pulled out. No, well, when you're doing any kind of television show, you know, there's got to be there's got to be a certain, you know, certain degree of preparation. You can't throw caution to the wind. Um, when those kinds of dollars are at stake. But with our show, we think it's only fair that uh, since people are opening up their wallets and taking time off work and hiring babysitters to come see us, and some people drive 40, 50 miles uh, to get to the show, we think it's only fair that everybody that's in there have the same opportunity to come down to Contestants Row and bid on an item and get up on stage. And we're able to uh, bring more people up on stage and give more people the chance to win than they are on television just because... Um, you know, we can tweak things a little bit because we don't have those types of reg regulations. And I think the audience recognizes that and appreciates that. So to give and take really works.
Well, I, I've got to put that on my bucket list. I've got to get out there to see it live, get on the road. I don't know if you guys ever come to Knoxville, but I've definitely. Well, we they're going to be in Johnson City on spring break. So. Ah, nudge, nudge. <laughs> All right, let me hit this last point. What is the big difference, or are there any differences, rather, between the Las Vegas stationary show and having those Las Vegas crowds, which I know it's a transient city, a tourist city coming in, and the crowds you get going on the road? Do you have a different energy level or a different vibe doing this on the road than you do just performing the show night after night in Las Vegas? Well, uh, different in the sense that the crowds are much bigger, uh, when we're on the road, I mean, there's, listen, there's no, there's no thrill quite like seeing your name on a marquee on the Las Vegas Strip. And that's something that, uh, you know, I'll always treasure. But, uh, you know, when people come to Vegas for four or five days, uh, you know, they've got, they've got time. They can come see us on Friday or Saturday or Sunday. But, but if we're coming to, uh, we come to, to Knoxville and we're only there one night, you better get those tickets and you better put on your, you know, get your prices right t-shirts and you better be, uh, ready to go with your A game because it's, uh, it's a one shot deal until we come back around the following year. So, uh, the crowds are bigger. Uh, they're a little more, uh, a little more energetic, I guess, because we're right there in your backyard. And I think one reviewer put it best when he said it's part game show, part rock and roll concert, part old time Baptist revival. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of screaming, a lot of hallelujahs happening. You know, you'd be amazed how many ah. people get up on stage and, uh, want to get down on their knees and pray that the Plinko chip lands in the big money. You know, they get very religious when there's a new car on the line. But we have a great time. And, and the beautiful thing about The Price is Right is everyone is so used to rooting for contestants that they don't even know from the comfort of their living room that they have no problem sitting in a comfortable chair in a the theater uh, cheering for somebody that just lives right down the street. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful coming together. And uh, we can definitely see that, that game show magic that's made the show a hit and the longest running game show on television. We can, we can see what, what works. I could not agree more. Okay, Todd, we've got to get out of here. Do me a favor. Let everybody know where they can find you online. Um, your podcast talk is cheap, but most importantly, your charity. Tell everybody where they can find Newton well, Fund for kids and what they can do to help. Everything is in one convenient spot for you. It's at toddnewtononline.com. And the Price is Right stage show is PriceIsRightLive.com. So we look forward to seeing folks, and uh, we hope to come out and spend a little spend a little time with us. Hopefully, get you up at that big wheel and uh, send you away with a big smile on your face and some cash in your pocket. All righty, sir. Thank you so much for calling in today, Todd. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Best of luck to you. All righty, all righty, D. Um, Fern. There we go. It is under our belt. We got to talk with Todd. I'm very happy. How you guys feeling? Super. I want to spin the wheel. That was great. Yeah, we all want to spin the wheel. We all want to hit the button and not no, get a plinko. whammy. Just Plinko, like I, man. <sighs> yeah, Plinko. That's one of the things you said when we were watching the videos. You're like, yeah, they have Plinko. And mine was like Mountain Climber. Because that oh, was always yeah. my favorite price is the right game. Yeah, that was always a good one. <laughs> you guys are forgetting about the, the hole-in-one, the putt-putt yes. golf. Putt-putt's I always love yeah. that one. And the big dice. Dude, I watched Price is Right. Like with my mom, with my grandma, by myself. I didn't care. like every day of the week. It was a Price is Right day for me. Like I love it so much. It's just I need to get. But a Price Todd is was right, right though, right? I mean, this is something that has a connection with people. Yeah. Because everybody has a memory of watching Price is Right with their parents or with their grandmother. And this is why I wanted to get a game show host on. We had this big long list, and I wanted to get a stuntman on, and that's coming next week. Mm-hmm. And I want to get um. 
some other types of guests on here, and we are working on that. Um, we wanted to get a magician on. Of course, we had Steve Trash. I'd like to get a groupie on, somebody who's actually followed a band around. Right. That's my next thing is I want to get a groupie on. And I want to just, you know, I want us to keep talking to interesting people. Right, Fern? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Speaking of groupies, the one thing I, uh, I'm i wondering, and I guess the fans will just have to wonder, is does he have a tattoo of that big wheel? All those tattoos, does he have a tattoo or of the big wheel? I guess that will remain a mystery. We could always tweet at him and ask him. Or yeah, not. that's true. Maybe yeah. he wants that, that level of secrecy, there though, that... that that air of mystery of do I have the big wheel? Do I not have the big wheel? Hmm. Or a whammy. I would get a whammy. Like I could totally see like maybe a tiny little line of whammies running around my ankle or something. That would. That I would thought you were going to say like around the bottom of your back, like no. a belt, a whammy <laughs> utility belt. <laughs> kind of like the game show Grateful Dead Ring of Bears, right. but it's a ring of whammies. That's awesome. <laughs> Can we end the show with that phrase, ring, ring of whammies? That's hard to say. Ring of whammies, ring of whammies, ring of, ring of whammies. <laughs> say that five times, rubber baby Ring of whammies, bumpers. ring of whammies, ring of whammies. Maybe we should do whammies, that before the show to loosen up the chops instead of rubber after the show bumpers. or during the show. That seems so diva. Like I'm standing there and I'm like jiggling my hands and like um, running in place like ring of whammies, ring of ram- whammies, <laughs> ring of whammies. Like that seems so <laughs> like I will not perform without my hairstylist. Demi Moore. Dude, it's, it could like, be worse. No Whatever takes the attention else. off your anus. Yeah, we do need. We don't need oh to do God. another kettle of fish about no. my anus. All right, look, I want to end with the ring of whammies, not my anus. D, hit it. We're out of here, guys. See you next week with Tony McFar. Bye-bye.